Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And you're joining us today for our recap and discussion of book six in The Expanse, Babylon's Ashes. I, uh, I had some time to sit on this after finishing it. I think it was pretty good. It, it wasn't my favorite. It wasn't my favorite either. How do I put this? I, th- I think it's the sixth book in a nine-book series. And it's, 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 in my opinion, this is the dip. This is a dip in uh, pace, but not necessarily quality, like at all. But man, that first like 300 pages was brutal for me. Yeah, same. It was really rescued by the second half. Cause like, I'm just coming off of the second half and it was like all battles and some of my favorite types of battles, which are like premeditated strategic implementation and like plans. and, And it was very cool. But man, the first half was a bit sloggy. We're like, working with yeast on the farm <laughs> just like growing plants and you're like okay oh man when we when we went over to prax like i like prax but we're over with prax and man oh boy we're man. doing this is boring this is really this is and, boring and it's interesting because in the prax chapters you know someone dies there's there's some intrigue going on there and then like the medina station chapters in my opinion were super boring didn't know who any of these people were didn't know why i needed to care didn't about care. any of this stuff yeah i did really like michio pa's chapters though yeah michio pa was great awesome character mm-hmm. um, um i liked the philip chapters a pretty good amount actually i liked philip they were okay i didn't really like philip <laughs> yeah we can talk <laughs> was, more about that he was yeah. just kind of annoying <laughs> i liked philip a lot i mean uh, holden and naomi's uh whole thing was pretty cool in this book there's a lot of things that move forward it's just uh nemesis games was such a high for me um especially having all the pov chapters from the the rosinante crew there was too many in my opinion there were too many pov chapters that jumped around so much like i was kind of lost and bored for a lot of this i'm surprised mr game of thrones is saying that though because i kind of felt like this game really this book was you know i hear these books be like compared to like the space game of thrones some from time to time and it's like I haven't really considered that to be a fair comparison until this book where I was like, yeah, this one kind of did that for me a little bit where it was like not in quality, but just in the scope of the of the tale, like the amount of characters that we're seeing and we're all over the place. We're flying everywhere. This book we've we've gone to every moon and every battle station and we went to moon I went to the moon. We went to the Luna. So my my whole thing with this book, now that I've had a little bit to think about, because you and I both finished it a little bit ago, but with our mm-hmm. personal schedules and stuff, we weren't able to make this episode. But I've had some time to think about it, and I've kind of read some other people's like reviews and thoughts on this book. And to me, I think that this is it makes sense that we slowed down so much, and you know, the Earth got hit by three asteroids, killed half the population on Earth. There's a there's a real like kind of like darkness and melancholy around the yeah. first half of this book like a grieving and recovery simultaneously well and we're exploring a lot of different relationships where we're exploring the relationship between philip and his dad uh naomi and holden philip and naomi philip and holden uh, amos Marcus. and clarissa yeah uh, there's a lot going on here and what is all of this for if not for the relationships between the people that are still alive after all of this went down so it kind of makes a lot of sense that we'd have like this more kind of introspective, slower, more grounded thing after the chaos that was book five. So again, like it's a it's a dip in pace, but not a dip in quality at all. It wasn't even really a dip. It was more of just a refocusing, whereas like the last book, we had a lot of like star, like system wide, like events happening and this and growth in like a faction's power. And how the, you know, the fate of the universe, so to speak. And this one, we had a lot of growth in the characters themselves. And they they were, they kind of came into themselves at the end of last book, I feel like. And this one was kind of like the, the, we got to see him in action a little bit. Like, I don't know. I just felt it was a little bit more focused on the characters, a lot of characters. I mean, it's great. But at the same time, and, you know, one of my gripes with this book is I just felt like the ending was kind of anticlimactic. And same. I think, yeah, I mean, it's just... We and, weren't you know, even there but, for some key events. But also, like, the free Navy thing isn't the the main thing in this series at the same time. Right, so like, I what get is? it. But... We're six books deep, <laughs> I think it's, and I, I think don't it's, know. I think it's Duarte. The protomolecule? I think it's Duarte and the pro- protomolecule stuff. Okay. I think, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's get into the recap, and then we can kind okay. of dig into some more specific stuff. Let's do it. The book begins shortly after the events of Nemesis Games. Things are hard for the people still alive on Earth, after the devastating asteroid impacts. The Free Navy has since attempted another asteroid strike, 
but their effort was thwarted by the UN Navy. Pastor Anna begins holding church services in their living room to help how she may. Michio Pa, captain of the Free Navy ship Kanat, has been stopping ships at the ring and redistributing their cargo to her allies in the belt. She is invited to Marco's inner circle meeting on Ceres. Philip, Marco and Naomi's son, nurses a deep hatred of Holden, thinking Holden is the reason for his mother's death. He later finds out she survived her escape from the Free Navy, which turns his hatred from Holden to his mother. On Luna, Holden and the Rosinante's crew spend days being debriefed by the UN Navy. In a meeting with Avasarala, Fred Johnson, and Prime Minister Smith, they learn of the combined UN and Martian strike force. That new fleet plans to find and destroy a Free Navy ship called the Azure Dragon as they believe it to be the ship coordinating the attacks on Earth. Bobby Draper is assigned as the mission's commander. In the slow zone, we learn that the ring station has been outfitted with railguns attached to rings that float near the station, as they couldn't wield directly onto the alien station itself. On series, Michio Pa is beginning to doubt Marco's leadership. The Free Navy Inner Circle meets, and Marco lays out his plan for a system-wide Belter civilization, with food factories and massive power plants. The resources to build this infrastructure would come from his plot to strip-mine the now-weakened Earth. Marco's son, Philip, gets into an altercation and is banned from ever returning to Ceres by the governor, Anderson Dawes. The Rocinante catches up with the Azure Dragon after receiving only silence in response to their hails. Thinking it to be disabled, they send Bobby out to board it. The Azure Dragon traps Bobby in its airlock and sends soldiers and mech suits to attack the Rocinante. Amos and Clarissa leave the ship and manage to fight them off. Clarissa is shot in the assault, but is rescued by Holden. Upon returning to Luna with the prisoners from the Azure Dragon, Holden is surprised by his family, who have been brought to the moon by Avasarala. Avasarala calls a meeting and proposes an attack on Ceres to eliminate the gathered Free Navy leadership. Marco learns of the UN Navy's plan and begins evacuating all military personnel and supplies, but leaves the Belters behind to fend for themselves. Upset with Marco's evacuation, Michio Pa and her family decide to defect from Marco's command. Scientists on Ganymede begin developing a new yeast that will make food grow faster. Though Earth is desperate for food, Prax delays the research as he is unwilling to feed the peoples of Earth with a new food source without thorough testing. Later, the researcher who proposed the new yeast is found dead, most likely murdered by the Free Navy. Under the watchful eye of the Free Navy, Prax manages to recover the late researcher's work, finishes the project, and sends it to Earth in secret. Marco destroys one of Michio Pa's ships, the Witch of Endor, which forces Michio Pa to contact Fred Johnson for aid. Fred Johnson doesn't trust Michio and is not forthcoming in giving assistance she asked for. Holden and Bobby agree on the need for a leader like Michio Pa and head off to meet with her without Fred Johnson's approval. Enraged at her changing allegiances, Marco destroys another of Michio Pa's ships and attempts to destroy the Rossi but the Rossi is able to shoot the incoming missiles. Marco takes two ships to intercept Fred on the Rossi on its way to Tycho. The Rossi fights back, however, and is able to destroy Marco's two supporting ships with her railguns. The Rossi fires off a few missiles at the retreating Pellas, but Holden calls them off after learning that Philip is aboard the ship. The Rossi wins the day, but during the fight, Fred Johnson has a stroke and dies. Marco blames Philip for their defeat in the recent battle further reinforcing Philip's decreasing loyalties. Holden steps into Fred Johnson's position for the upcoming meeting on Tycho. The appearance of Anderson Dawes at the meeting moves the general sentiment toward Holden, and he is allowed to continue acting in Fred Johnson's stead. A plan is then formed to recapture Medina Station using an ice hauler packed with smaller decoy ships. To distract Marco, they plan on simultaneously launching assaults on the other Free Navy installations. Michio Pa leads one of these assaults and disarms Pelas Station, forcing their surrender. During the attack on Medina Station, the station once again acts in self-defense and somehow manages to push all of the railguns defending it away. This leaves the station defenseless, and it is taken by Holden and the UN and Martian forces. Marco gathers his army and prepares to recapture Medina Station. A call is put out for reinforcements, but none can be spared, leaving the attack group of Medina Station to fend for themselves. 
Naomi and Holden come up with a plan to use the alien technology against Marco. They hope to trick him into going through the ring while over a certain energy threshold, which Naomi discovered is the trigger for the incoming ship's disappearances. The plan works, and Marco gets an adventure between atoms before his ship disappears, becoming everything and nothing. Six months after the battle, Holden is offered leadership of a union which will manage Medina Station and the people and resources that pass through the gates. Holden declines and proposes that Michio Pa be given the position instead. The book ends on a hopeful note, with Pastor Anna and her congregation flying to a new planet looking to settle there. The human race once again displaying its ability to adapt in the face of calamity, relentless as it continues its expansion into the unknown. All right, so for uh, just a refresher for everybody that read this book, Michio Pa does in fact turn a ship around, or at least orders a ship turned around to face its uh, reactors or its uh, thrusters, the big the big blue engines in the back, <laughs> towards the, the docks, and then threatens to melt the docks, <laughs> which was so awesome. That was I'm like gonna the slag your station. That was like the coolest part of the whole book for me. Like absolutely, oh, Michio Pa is so cool. Nothing like the concept of having a bigger gun, you know? <laughs> what did you think about her decision to defect from Marco? So the Free Navy, I, and I think this is kind of a deeper point of of the, uh, her reason is kind of a deeper one in, in Marco's use of the Free Navy. The Free Navy starts off very altruistic, like wanting belter equality and freedom and driven by these kind of, you know, the, these really good things that we would all agree is like, yeah, those things should be fought for. And then he kind of takes over and uses it as a tool for his own personal revenge. And it's just like petty and ends with tons of death. And so I think she kind of saw that evolving. And then his final move, which put the nail in his coffin was heading out of um series series, series with all, taking all of the military stuff and all of the supplies and leaving all the belters just fend for themselves. And she was like, okay, I know where your motivations are at. Right. It seems almost like uh, Marco is much more focused on just getting back at the inner planets and not so much on creating a belter society, even though like two things can be true at the same time. He does want to do that, but his right. actions, what he's actually doing is different than what he says that he wants to do. Yes. You know, it's, it's yeah. like, let's Oof. build and then drives a bunch of asteroids into the only habitable planet in our solar system. Nice. Yeah. I wonder if they had figured on the exact damage that those asteroids would do, because I didn't know when they did that, that they still had like some plans for earth in a sense which like how yeah, would they just even... like strip mine it which was so kind of like maniacally like, ha, ha, ha. And then like we were, how are they gonna even them? do that like, like there's too many there's still like a whole they'd have to kill literally like seven billion more the, people well and all of the people working in in the military uh complex like all uh, the joint uh you know they 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 might as well they basically just united mars and earth right Totally. They would have to take down now the combined fleets of Mars and Earth, which I understand is Marco's endgame here. But how do you propose you do that? I mean, that's too. Yeah, he has like, a formidable strip mine it. It's like, well, yeah, but what about the army between you and the mining? Yeah, and then, <laughs> so Michio, I thought it was yeah pre pretty cool that Michio was essentially like, okay, well. I don't know about all that, but I really liked the part where we're helping everybody. So let's right. go do that. Yeah, she had a good soul. And you could tell she was one of like the founding members of the we're going to do this for like equality throughout the universe and belter freedom and not being like ruled by corporations and abused by them, which is all good. And then she was like, oh, Marco's the man. And then she realizes Marco is just using it to get revenge. What did you think about the Philip chapters? You kind of hinted in the intro that you weren't a big fan of Philip. I just thought he was like, like there's so many real problems in the <laughs> solar system. The book, and Philip yeah. is over here just like angsting out and just like, oh, he's, his woe is me. His life is so bad. And he's just a hater of everything. He's like, I hate my mom because, uh, she, no, no. He, he's like, I hate Holden because he's the one who killed my mom. And then he learns that his mom's not actually dead. He's like, Oh, now I hate my mom because she didn't tell me that she was still alive. And then like, now I hate Marco because he, he actually deserved the hate. So like good on him for that one, I guess. But like, 
he's just a hater and all i see him do is like pointing his hatred it's like maybe you should like focus on like seeing what you can make better man your but whole maybe, outlook on life is awful but maybe his his uh environment isn't really conducive for that kind of like you know what i mean it like, certainly maybe is not no the way that he, he's been brought up i feel like he, he's been brought up to hold resentment towards everything almost you know sure. oh yeah That's how marco, marco the has, worst. yeah marco has basically inundated this poor kid i i think it's a sad story you know it's a it sad a thing sad that story. he's obviously smart you know like he's obviously a, a very capable uh leader too i mean he led the, the attack on callisto um it sucks that somebody as young as him is so focused on gaining the affection of somebody who's so obviously using him right because he doesn't want revenge i don't think i think he just wants affection from his father he wants a parent like i said i mean two things can be true at the same time i think that he does want revenge in the sense that he's been told a story by his dad you know uh and his dad obviously knows that you know philip is smart but his dad also uses philip as leverage against his mom too so yeah it's really messed up it's, it's like this whole messed up situation and so like Philip, when he kind of like attacked that guy when they were on, I think Sirius, uh, when he like got in a fight. Yeah, with that they're guy on Sirius Station or whatever. Yeah. Anderson Dawes like banishes him. Yeah, but that was like him acting out. You know, uh, I mean, he's like what, 15, 16 years is old. He, is he that young? Yeah, he's super young. Like, he was like yeah. leading a battle. Yeah, but I mean, crazy. He's, he's a capable kid. You know, he's Marcos. Yeah, that's true. I still wouldn't have a 16 year old lead the troops in yeah, the battle. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, especially <laughs> yeah. for something as important as like stealth technology that you're going to yeah. cover those asteroids in and stuff. Um, well, yeah, to like unearth your diabolical plan to destroy the planet. Yeah, he did do it. He did indeed. I thought it was pretty cool that Philip got onto a ship and bailed on everything. He was just like, all right, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm just going to, I'm leaving. This yes, is I don't whatever. Want to be part of this. And it was cool because there were there were a couple scenes before that where Marco was talking and Philip like internally was like, wait, what? Like you're kind of lying about this. Right. Like you're wait a minute. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and I think that like you said in the um the recap here, when Marco basically says, like, okay, Philip, it was all your fault that we lost this battle, when it like clearly wasn't. You Not know, even just, a little. They just got bested by the Rossi, which was awesome. It was. Uh, he crossed the line. I don't. I think that 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 line. It depends on how much propaganda you've been fed, how how manipulated and gaslit you've been. But uh, Marco obviously crossed that line with Philip. Um, but I wanted to ask, like, do you think that in the next book, um, Philip and his mom will kind of like rekindle or like have some kind of relationship, or do you think Philip's just gone? No, he's coming back. Maybe not this next book, but he's def. We have not seen the last of Philip, and yes, I think that he, the him actively making the decision to rise above his upbringing and just step away and leave his dad was the beginning of his redemption arc. But like, he was like instrumental in destroying seven b- 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 billion people, right? Fifteen billion. Fifteen. Oh, I thought it was like half of that. No, oh, because there was, was thirty 15. people on the planet. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, that's a lot you know, of people. Like what? It's a lot of people. What crimes are like? Even if you repent, it's like, man, should should we take you out still though? Like, wow, you know, that's a rough one. Yeah. Um. I mean, at least imprisonment. You know. <laughs> yeah. For, something. For a long... I don't know if you can really lay the dust. Can't be like I was in a phase. Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) but it's not really a. I mean, yeah, he's so young, man. Like he's so like people are so impressionable when they're really, really young. People are impressionable no matter what age they are. I'm impressionable. Yeah, yeah, right. I am. But uh, when you're growing up with somebody who you idolize, you're gonna just assume everything they're saying is totally. I mean, like Philip, if you think about it didn't have a choice like there was no there was like because marco was uh consciously making the decision to kill that many people but philip was kind of following a plan philip was along for the ride but i I do not think that justifies or like gives him like a carte blanche a ticket of freedom for like getting out from a lot of people you still like (laughs) at some point you could have been like no i'm not doing that you know yeah like when dresden killed all those people on eros uh in the first book you know, it, it, even Miller kills him because he's like, ah, oh, he's starting to make sense, you know, because it was a rounding error. Like when you really thought about totally, like, like totally. this many people on arrows, this many people in the solar system, what's the big deal? You know, and obviously right. that's wrong, but it totally 
like, that, like lines up like logically Genghis Khan killed so many compared to that where it's a drop in the bucket you know right exactly and so like on paper totally that kind of makes sense but 15 billion people I mean that's like, probably like what 20 30 percent of all humans I think it's got I mean because there's 30 billion on earth I don't know how many are on Mars. I think it's less than 10 billion. Okay. And then I think there's like another few billion out in the belt. So Earth definitely has the big population. So yeah, it's a lot. I don't think it's like half, but it's definitely getting up to half. It's it's most people and not to mention the it's not just the people that died, right? Like, I mean, that is bad enough in and of itself. But Earth is like there are new colonies and there are new planets and and new solar systems and stuff but those are so much in their infancy and still reliant on anchor yeah earth is the biggest part of all of this i mean so it was a huge hit but at the same time like there's like economic fallout there's social fallout there's political fallout there's all kinds of different things um that man that i feel like this book uh explored it with you know uh, the the pax chapters pretty well i think that's why they were there um, yeah. they explored a lot of that kind of stuff but and to give us the scope that the free navy had taken over uh, its power and it, it, it um, affected and influenced the, the rest of the solar system you know they were over on all sorts of places yeah the those pax chapters were pretty i mean i like i like prax like he's cool but i like seeing his daughter a little older and you know kind of more involved yeah. and stuff and i don't know it was there cute some vibey and cool. things in there yeah but, but i wasn't yeah. super i don't know uh okay did you think it was like a deliberate move by james uh s.a cory to make the earth like essentially an asteroid like they've been hating on the belters basically because they have a gravity well and a planet that you can breathe the atmosphere and then they still have that i suppose after the asteroids came down but like a lot of it was removed from them. earth got decimated and yeah. so it's like they kind of got turned into like a big belt big <laughs> you rock. know yeah, yeah big rock and it's like that's kind of there's an irony there you know yeah it's almost like i mean they were trying to make it as uninhabitable as it is for the belters out in space you know uh, right. because that's a big thing is that the belters they they never go to most of them never go to earth like most of them are never in the they can't in, yeah they're never in the environment that biologically we're probably gonna thrive in you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we can survive. We can survive in domes, and we can survive underground and on Mars, and we can survive on all these little asteroids and stuff. But it's really inconvenient, and it's really difficult and dangerous. And then on Earth, so like the Belters' kind of view of Earth is not only that they have um, like an uneven and unfair amount of control over the Belt, but they have like the privilege of living in uh, an oxygenated. Uh, right beautiful landscape that they were just born into not only do they get what we dream about but they also control what we dream about (laughs) i mean it's essentially it's like class warfare if you think about it you know oh for sure it's it's basically class warfare um and i i sympathize with a lot of the reasons that are laid out with why the belt and especially the opa feels a lot of this uh this hatred for the inner planets but 15 billion people is so many is so far past a line that would be crossed you know i mean like whew, that is that's still up until now i know we're, we're almost into book seven here um we're about to start book seven and uh dropping three asteroids on earth and killing half the people on the planet was not i really am still reeling from that just as the reader yeah. like that was the biggest moment and that's like the red wedding of this whole Ooh, series good call it yeah, was the red was, wedding yeah seriously it's... like so so unexpected so intense uh changes up everything Oof, man yep it reminds me of this winston churchill quote um where he says to build may have to be the slow and laborious task of years to destroy can be the thoughtless act of a single day I definitely have a lot more respect. And, you know, this is a general statement for sure, not applicable everywhere, but I definitely have more respect on the build something better than destroy something like, you know, make change something you don't like by making it better and building upon what is existing as opposed to utterly destroying it. Um, though what, you know, Sanderson has that quote. Um, oh, I'm going to butcher it. But he says, like, sometimes you have to destroy something in order to build something better. Yeah, um, I think I mean it's it's all about context, you know. It's all about <laughs> yeah. it's all about the situation, you know. I mean, with the Belter situation, 
improving on the system that was already in place and kind of validating the way that the belters felt on a political level and trying to bring these uh these very obviously different cultures together in order to work toward everybody being happy and having their needs met and things like that yeah like that would have worked and that was another thing that was like a weird thing toward the end of this book when they kind of have this idea of uh like like using the belt to facilitate the move from earth and mars to um these beyond other right and it's and it's like and, and maybe you can clear this up for me, but like, why didn't they just do that before? I mean, it was if it was obviously going to be an issue, like, did they just think of this plan and they were like, wait, 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 wait a minute, why don't we just, why don't we just have them be involved in it? Because right. then that would solve a lot of their issues there. But like that just slipped everybody's minds, like that solution or what? What changed I, that made them think about that? Was it like Earth and Mars coming together? Or I what? think so. I think that the, I think it was trying to point out the fractioned nature of the whole solar system prior to that event, which kind of brought everyone together, um, or at least the hmm. players with shared interests together. I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and so they weren't really thinking about it as a potential good. It was only like, what? how do we defend ourselves from this thing? Not like, how do we like incorporate them into our plans, you know? Not to mention, uh, you know, the three asteroids hitting Earth and this, this free Navy uh, popping up. Yeah, I guess it could be seen as kind of a wake-up call. Like, oh, we didn't know it was that bad. Right. Wow. We thought they were just upset and we right. were going to make a bunch of money. We could deal with right. that. But they're they're throwing asteroids at us now. OK, we should probably <laughs> okay. let's try to figure this out. OK, let's let's deal with this free Navy thing. Um, and, you know, I'm wondering uh, in the next book or in the next few books, if we're going to have any kind of fallout from the free Navy dissipating, if we're going to have any remnants of it. How do the other belters feel? How do the other factions of the OPA feel? You know, because they didn't. They only got Marco. Like they didn't kill like everybody that was involved in these plans and things like that. Totally. I, I'm curious to see in the next few books, like how this is all kind of like smoothed over and alleviated, and you know how we can make the most amount of people happy. And it almost pains me to say this, but I think it's Holden who was really going to save the day on this one by putting Michio Pa in the position of head of the union that controls the resources yeah. and people in the expanse of people through the yeah. rings it's giving a belter a high level belter a very high position of power to control the expansion of humanity um is putting a lot of respect and trust in her and i think that by doing that she is now in position to kind of be the linchpin that is able the net so to speak that is able to collect the rest of the free navy and kind of integrate them into the rest of the solar system get them on the same page because i do think that most of the belters have a very justified and like altruistic end game. They just want equality. They're not trying to destroy everyone else, um, but they kind of got caught up in Marco's fervor, you know? Yeah, absolutely. what do you think of Fred dying? That was kind of a surprise for me. Lame. Okay. I didn't like that at all. I, I like that he died. I think more people should die. Yeah. We're in this seven series. books in. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of in, disappointed yeah. that Fred is the only death that we got in this series. Like, I thought they were going to like double jeopardy us, you know? Um, yeah. It happened like off screen. Yeah. He, it was just like Fred had a stroke. Oh no. Yeah. He's they dead. set him up to be this huge impactful character. The death of him could be this changing event that ripples for a, you know, a long way and a long time into the future. And then he just like, I feel like it was an attempt and I hate it when authors do this. They, are like we know what everyone thinks is going to happen thus we're going to turn left when everyone thinks we're going to turn right and it's like no you've been setting him up for books and books and books to turn right into this huge like goes down in a blaze of glory sort of character and it's like they're gonna be like well he's gonna die in death but it's not gonna be from or he's gonna die in battle but it's not gonna be from the battle he's just gonna have a stroke his body is gonna let him down and he's just gonna like what a big old lame way to go what a lame way to go yeah uh yeah i agree with you more impactful I agree with you. I think um, Fred dying. Um, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, um, he's clearing yeah, no the way for other effect. people to lead. Yeah, I was kind of just like, oh, that's an inconvenience, I guess. But I, yeah. I just wanted something a little bit more epic for him. But I guess, uh, I mean, it's the way she goes in space. You know, I mean, I guess that you can say that I, like things aren't always this this grand you know, uh, that's it's, a, it's an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing that I bring this up, actually, because there is the um, this is brought up, I think, 
at least once, but maybe twice, um, this idea, the, um, what's it called? Like the, the grand man theory or like the, um, ah, I can't remember what the, what the exact phrasing is of it, but essentially it's a, it's this historical, uh, kind of like debate, right. Of is, is history decided on the actions of like one person that's like very important in, in charge, oh, or is it a bunch pain. of little things that are a bunch of, a bunch of little decisions that are being made by a bunch of people and the like cultures and stuff like that. Um, and so that's kind of talked about quite a bit in this series. And, um, uh, I guess, uh, Fred kind of dying the way that he did. I suppose maybe that's a way of kind of like addressing that maybe because he maybe was in a really a high of position of power. I'm not sure though. Cause, um, I think we'll have to see he how everything else plays out. Sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even Fred is replaceable. Um, you know, we need to clear the, some space for some new blood in the series right. for the reader at least. And for the events that are happening. So, and um, like, yeah, this is interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. And like, um, I'm kind of coming around to that idea. Actually, the more I think about it, like earth was destroyed, we move on. There's so many battles and things get wrecked. We move on and, you know, like Fred going down and still we are, the book ends with us expanding into the unknown into going and settling these other countries and settling these other planets. But man, it just, it could have been way cooler. It could have been way cooler. That's just the like, best way to the, put your, it. Yeah. The character's yeah. name was the Butcher of Anderson Station. <laughs> yeah. He died by a stroke. Come Ugh. on. Come yeah. on. Like, I, I really think that it is an example of an author, two authors in this case, being like, we know what you think is going to happen and just doing that just to prove us wrong. And it's like, uh, don't do that. Just prove me right and we tough, can all have a good time. It's tough to say whether or not it's like pure subversion. I should always be right. I don't you're not gonna be yeah I don't I don't know I don't know um if it's pure subversion I, I don't like to think that it would be I think it's probably just something that made narrative sense to them um but yeah personally as the reader um and somebody that I really liked Fred Johnson I thought he was a really interesting character Same. having him die of a stroke off screen is just kind of like ah dang it so you guys weak. like that was lame yeah, and they're like, well, it happens in real life. It's like, this is a fantasy. This is a space <laughs> opera. Okay. Just, okay. One thing I, that did surprise me in this book was how often they and how willing they are to leave their ships in the middle of a battle to go like fight hand to hand, so to speak. Yeah. yeah like, well, looks like they evaded our missiles again. <laughs> we'll just put on the mech. We'll suit up team and just go out there and get them. It's like, well, really? That's the plan? Wow. I, th I think with them, um, you know, I'm not an expert in space battles, especially futuristic space battles. Um, it's like I've more never, dangerous than an active volcano battle, I, right? I have never been in a futuristic <laughs> space battle before, but I imagine that if you can, I think a tactic that's employed or that could be employed, uh, once you kind of get people over to another ship and start boarding them, I think you've got a sort of upper hand oh, for sure. on them. Yeah, so I think um, they're that's, dealing with. That's not like the tactic to use, but I, if your ship is being targeted and your ship's not cutting it, but you're still in pretty close proximity, it's like with uh, pirate ships. You know, like once pirates like, and obviously pirate ships and uh, spaceships are very very different. <laughs> but like you get people boarding the other ship and they're not quite ready for you yet, that's going to be a lot more effective than cannonballs. You know, that's going to be a lot totally. more effective. Uh, so I, I get yeah, it, but it's like, a, you know, it forces them to fight on like two fronts, right? They're like, now I'm to fight. Like it just yeah, disrupts the totally. whole thing. There's an element of chaos there. Um, yeah, no, it's once you're, once you're bored and you're kind of winning. And, and in addition to that, you're not only winning, but you've also, you know, and I think this is kind of a element of modern warfare, or at least modern in the sense of these books in that there's automation now right like, right like the pirates couldn't always leave their ship in mid-battle because people need to be there to run the sails and tack and maneuver the ship and load the cannonballs and do that but now we have this level of automation when it comes to space fighting that we can have half the crew sh the the ship's crew abandon it in the middle of a fight to go board and the ship still works just fine because we have robots doing everything so i think it's kind of a cool element of like woven automation into these battles that we wouldn't see in like a roman soldier battle you know well, I mean, and also, like you said, like three books ago, uh, <laughs> and I think maybe um, Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank probably knew this as well, or at least thought of it. But I mean, we how many how many times are, are is the Rossi just gonna like dodge torpedoes? Bro, you know, we got it even like... happened a lot in this book too. <laughs> so I mean, I and like, I'm man. all for it, but I think it's let's change it up and like do some boarding and like oh god, like let's let's. Right, like, it's like narrowly avoided. Three thousand railguns got it again. Like oh man. Okay, so um, 
I did really like though on that note, which was how deliberately strategical they were in this book. Like I really like premeditated violence or yeah. uh, <laughs> really like to plan it out first, you know um, that longer sentence. It just like, gets me. No, but I like, strategy on a battlefield and so many times we get the like holden bum rush which is like their usual like holden's like we gotta act now and then he just like drives straight in and through sheer awesomeness of piloting and the rossi being very high tech it manages to barely scrape through these bum rushes by holden but this time we actually got to finally use naomi's brain in a battlefield sense yeah and she figured out like let's lure them through and they made this like premeditated strategy it was really cool that they started implementing that into their battles we should talk about this end scene with marco uh because speaking yeah. of anticlimactic deaths let um, me go l- l- let me let me ask you before you ask me anything sure, how do you yeah. do you think marco's dead dead oh i didn't even think about that <sighs> i don't just, know just, i don't um maybe not but probably i would say maybe not but probably because like we got to button up this free navy thing totally. it's like a whole other th- like situation where i mean maybe i don't know maybe duarte knows exactly what happened and what is happening with these missing ships and is able to just go find margo that'd be really interesting right i mean uh-huh. it, it implies that, w- that he goes on the atom journey right where he sees like yeah. between all the atoms and he that's why i wrote into the recap he becomes everything and nothing but like i don't know he could have actually got beamed to like the mothership that's abandoned by the ex-alien oh. spaceship and had like it seems like a really really temporary and dubious plan that they make i mean while i like the strategicness it's like disappearing what does that mean like that could mean literally teleported to like alien mothership weapon ship you know it's like <laughs> and i thought <laughs> i don't uh, know James Corey did an amazing job at setting up the specific situation they were in to try something that desperate because yeah I mean when I, even when I was reading it I was like really though like this is this is a bad plan you you don't know anything about what you're about to do but it was the only plan they had it was, totally. the, it was all they could do so I thought that was great it was like that was like the most stressful part of the whole book for me yeah once again acting with wildly incomplete information <laughs> but sometimes you just have to or you're <laughs> yeah, definitely totally. gonna die it's like to take a 10 percent chance or 100 percent chances that you're gonna die so uh, i point. totally get that but um i don't know like marco it's just like dissolving right it's like maybe it's like fred johnson's stroke all yeah, over again but I, but you know it's funny because i hadn't really thought about i thought he just died like i thought he just i thought that's how marco died and hmm. then you brought this up and now I'm kind of like, well, wait a minute, though. Maybe there's like a whole he comes back as like cyborg Marco, you know, right? Or like, like who knows? Like, like when Frieza came back and Dragon Ball Z, you know, but then like Trunks was able to take him down really, really fast. Like, well, well OK, so right before he died or did whatever, he disappeared. He dissolved. like saw he went on his little atom journey and saw like the space between atoms, which means who the hell knows. And then he said he felt a dark force coming yeah. at him before like all was blackness. Either that dark force was like their way of describing like death was coming for him sort of thing. Or perhaps where he went was he was like pushed out of the quarantine section and he's now exposed to this like crazy intellect that the previous uh, civilization had to like quarantine the parts of the galaxy away from Man. who like, I... ate it all, you know, okay. was that the thing, the dark force? I don't know. Here, here, we, here, I'm going to, I'm just going to say, I love this series. I think it's great. Can we? We need to figure out what the hell's going on. Like I, this is the, the longest I've read <laughs> without knowing like what the hell is like on the other side of this curtain. Because like I just want to know. And we still have fifteen hundred pages of book to read, right? Like we're only two thirds of the way through this, so I'm sure something cool. We we're done with the free navy arc, or at least the the bulk of it, the beat of it. So. Man, I just, as a reader and somebody that really loves uh, revelations and things being explained to me, I just, please, just, (laughs) please just tell me what the hell is happening. Oh my God, I'm so impatient. uh, Same, but did this, this book had a air of finality to it. It seemed like they almost wanted to end it here because like, I don't really know any conflict besides Dodd still like being, steepling his hands in some office room somewhere. I don't know who the, the protagonist or the i don't know who the antagonist is gonna well it's be. duarte yeah it's definitely duarte okay but yeah he wasn't he was not in this book at all uh he was barely in the book before it so 
Like Alex had a conversation with him at, at one point. Right. He's the one kind of pulling the strings behind everything. So, uh, yeah, I think this was buttoned up in a cool way. Honestly, this could have been the end of like most of the series if yeah. if the proto molecule thing wasn't a thing. Which obviously none of this stuff would have happened the way it did if the proto molecule thing wasn't a thing. But it felt like an ending. It felt like the this we've we've figured this out. Um, even the last line, which I liked a lot was um maybe the stars would be like better off with us now or something like something to that effect and i really liked that a lot it was it was a very like kind of final all right we might have done something right this time yeah but we still have three books yeah which is crazy to me because i i i think that this you know not to be like so punny with the name or anything but i really feel like the expanse is about our relentless like humanity's relentless expanse not only territorially speaking, but also like evolution and growth as beings becoming more like aware and conscious and not so greedy uh, and uh, compassionate to our fellow man. Um, you know, we were expanding not only the land that we occupy, but also like the limits of our mind and how we treat each other. Um, and yeah, there was just like an element of like, cool, it's all good now. Yeah, but no, probably not. No. Probably not. Uh, so I have heard, um, and you know, if you're listening right now, and I'm wrong about this, feel free to correct me in the uh, the Discord channel. But I have heard that uh, James James S. A. Corey kind of wrote it out as like the first two books are a duology, the second two books are a duology, the third two books mm-hmm. are a duology, and then this is a, and then seven, eight, and nine are a trilogy. So and it kind of makes sense because like it Leviathan does. wakes, Leviathan wakes, and Caliban's war is kind of like one thing. You know, and then Cibola oh, yeah. Burn and, or excuse me, uh, Abaddon's Gate and Cibola Burn are kind of like one thing, you know? I mean, like yep. Abaddon's Gate is about the Very gate linked. opening up. And yeah. Um, and then Nemesis Games and Babylon's Ashes are definitely a duology. That's, it's basically one story. Yeah. You know, like for if, sure. If this was a 1200 page book, it, it would make sense for it to be that long. Uh, yep. And for one book. Um, but then seven, eight, and nine, I think there's a time jump. Uh, I, I think don't you're know right. how long it is, but there seems to be a, a time jump between six and seven, and then seven, eight, and nine are all kind of the bombastic f- uh, final three books in this nine book series. So, yeah, Oof, and I've, I've also read, yeah, I've also read that there's going to be a time jump. Um, I don't know how long though, but it seems like uh, it seems like the plans f- by the evil one need some time in order to they like they may have been thwarted or at least like careened off path for a little while slowed down yeah it'll be interesting to see how they decide to re-manifest it because i i don't feel like it ever really got going in the first place like yeah it made some moves but nothing huge yeah i wonder if the intent was to have people populating other places like to turn everything back on and get all these gates back opened up i wonder like how far back the plan was you know what i mean like i wonder if duarte was in charge of dresden and uh 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 mao and all of these different things uh i'm not sure this is gonna be the, my my revelatory little tickle tickle sense is jingling same <laughs> i, I think that, that it's bigger than humanity in the end i think that the evil in this world will be fighting to do what happened to the alien race that provided the proto molecule to humanity the person in charge is looking for power yes but i think i think he's maybe like in cahoots yeah maybe i mean with the galaxy consumer like the the last the last book or at least the last few books it's gonna be holden and company saving the galaxy right i mean like that's what it better be it's gotta be it right i mean like i could be wrong about it but we've already saved the the solar system i guess we've already saved uh, humanity in the sense of our like kind of like geopolitical climate or whatever but yeah and like you know making sure it sure took some rock into the boat to get there though huh? it did <laughs> but yeah i hope that the last three books are like we're saving the galaxy like let's go this yeah is, let's, i want that um if it's Me not too. that i won't be super disappointed but i hope that i hope that it turns into epic space opera sci-fi stuff you know i i agree i want i want them to up everybody the yeah yeah. yeah, like the book has been great. They've they've officially made me care about the characters, even Holden. 
I like them. I will care <laughs> when they die, them. which is why I want them to die because I need you know, they need to pull some feels out of me. And then they set up Fred Johnson to do that, but then they just like totally um, buttered that bread into just not emotion land. And so I was like, oh, okay, that happened. Cool. And then like Holden gets his job. It's all good. One thing I really love about the show, I've watched the first season of the show now, and one thing I oh, really yeah? love is uh, how much they run with the joke that Holden loves coffee. Yeah, I just something about that. I love it so much that they they took that and ran with it. Not only it's in the show, but in the, it's just it's it's always coffee with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's just always looking for his next cup of coffee. He's always got a cup of coffee. Something's always wrong with the coffee maker. Yeah, totally. I mean, okay. Do you feel that the kind of somewhat bombastic approach to and reckless approach to using the proto molecule and the subsequent technology that we might glean from analyzing its proto moleculiness is like way too actively like they're like hey we got a new hole for you rosinanti yeah, it's made I from the like proto molecule like the thing yeah. that killed all of the people like what How no we, we did lots of science enough we yeah. did so much science don't even worry about it it's totally fine yeah i thought that was a little weird it's slowing ships down in one scene it's blasting the rail guns away and like warping space time and like yeah, they disappearing people and they're stuff. like oh we made an experimental hole for you like <laughs> the ship that we fly in yeah, I wouldn't be very stoked on like, that. But yeah. just two books ago, Holden was ripping apart his entire cargo bay to find the one bit of protomolecule essence that remained on his ship because he was so against. And now he's like, load me up. But this stuff was mixed with ceramic by scientists. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Perhaps you can explain to me what the energy threshold is. I never quite oh, got that. Oh, that whole thing? Okay, what so... What is the energy threshold? Like a okay, speed? So I, don't, I don't know what exactly what the, the specific uh, number is on it, but I think what Naomi figures out is essentially um, there are ships that are disappearing and there are ships that are not disappearing that are still going through that same space. So it's a weird conundrum that nobody can really... It seems random, right? But then Naomi figures out, I'm pretty sure, somebody correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I'm pretty no, sure Naomi, right. Naomi figures out that um, there's a certain uh, mass and energy threshold. that. So it's like when really big, so it's fast size ships... moving quickly. Yeah, so when really That's big, okay. fast Got ships it. move through this space, then this thing kind of like matches on it. And then also I think any ships that are accompanying it. Uh, so that's why oh. some smaller ships are leaving too. Uh, so that's why... Um, Naomi kind of sets it up like that. So, do they do they shoot the Medina through? Yeah, because they go through it. No, no, I don't think they shoot the Medina. They go through it, and I think the Rossi, and they have all the ships behind them, and then those ships are above the energy threshold. Yeah. So once it, I think once one once one big thing goes through, that ship is fine. It. Yeah, and then once the ones yeah it triggers it, and then the ones coming after it get eaten. Which that's why I was like with. We really don't know if that's going to work. That sounds way out there. But it was it a worked. Hail Mary. It worked. Yeah, it was a Hail Mary. That's a good way of putting it for sure. Yeah. I thought it was and cool, I mean, though. Yeah, it was really cool. And I liked how, like, victories can be so momentary in these books, which I feel is, like, realistic in a live battle. You know, like, we took the machine gun nest. And it's like, yeah, but we're all, like, injured and exhausted and out of ammo. We don't have any food. And the enemy can just come back and take it from us. And they're like, we got Medina Station. And then... Marco's like, yeah, no, I still have like a whole army though, and like comes at them. They're like, we're gonna lose for sure, and so they're like, we need reinforcements, and everyone else is like, yeah. Remember our plan was like to attack everywhere simultaneously, so we're all busy. And then uh, you know the the depleted troops, so to speak, have to figure out how to survive, and that's what I really liked, which was them using strategy as opposed to just like evading missiles. I really loved that one scene where Marco is basically like, all right, turn around. Here we go. Like, let's we're fighting everybody now. And then he's just like maniacally laughing. I thought that was perfect. I love that they added that in because he's pretty much completely gone crazy with power. He's which, a psychopath. Let's go. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sure. That makes yep. sense. It, it totally makes sense. After he was like, we're not only going to destroy Earth with asteroids just because revenge we're also going to then strip mine its remaining resources from it. Uh, he was just like, he had devolved into like diabolical evil. What did you think about Holden basically making TikTok videos for everybody for most of this book? <laughs> you know, it's pretty I thought it was on cute. par for him. You I thought know, it was cute. It was adorable. Yeah. yeah. And he shares information. That's what Holden does. I, yeah. I did think, I, I don't think, I personally haven't seen Holden's exemplary leadership 
to the point uh, that he would have been my first choice for head of the union, replacing Fred Johnson. Like the guy had yeah, like single-handedly started two books. Yeah. The guy single-handedly started two wars in yeah. the first book just yeah. by being rash. I guess it makes sense in like, uh, from like the reader's perspective, maybe kind of, it didn't, I didn't make sense. To, but also I think it's kind of contrived and just like a way for Holden to kind of like step aside and, and let Michio pod. I thought that was a little weak. Totally. It like, was Avasarala, a look good. Avasarala and uh, Prime Minister Smith are way smarter than putting an earther in charge after everything they just went through. Like, oh, come on, really? Right. Like, you're right. not that dumb. Like, that would not work. We all know that wouldn't work. No. You know? Ugh, I don't know. That, that was kind of, that was kind of dumb. Yeah. And like, Holden <laughs> is stupid. like a... He's like a four. He's like a Che Guevara out there in the Rossi, just running around. Like he doesn't represent stability and like, like I don't know. He's kind of a, um, a wild card, you know. No, but he is. He is someone that uh, people have rallied behind in the past. So I guess it makes sense yeah. that you would like. He has been able to, um, kind of like passively, I would say, ignite organization. So. Totally. I can see maybe I why mean, even but, uh, actively when he broadcasts wide beam to the entire universe, you know, it's like people use that as justification to do all sorts of terrible things. But yeah, he would not have been my first point. Oh, another thing when talking about like first choices, is there a weird conversation that Holden has with Naomi where he was like, Hey, yeah. So like I chose Michio Pa to be the head of the union, but if I didn't choose her, I would have chosen you. And it was like, why are you even, <laughs> Like what? Now we probably what? wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, like are you just like a swage? Are you stroking her right now? Like what? Is, what <laughs> just is, so why you know, are you telling me this like, job you never said that you would ever want. You yeah, know? you're my second choice for. Like, thanks. I feel really great. Like, <laughs> what? I mean, Michio is so it. much more qualified. But if she wasn't around, it would totally yeah. be you. But Michio rocks. Like, yeah, but Michio rocks. I felt like we were trying to have like a touching moment where like Holden's like he loves her so much, and it was just like super lame and kind of weak. And it was like you're my second best, my second choice for this position that you don't want. Like what? What do you think about the usage of uh, polyamory and polygamy in in these books? It just goes to, and, and I, I like how it's actually done in this because it's not the point of any of these books. It's just oh, a no, not at factor all. Just, of the society. Yeah, I mean, and we're 300, I, 400 years into the future, some odds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and they're living in like a totally different like situation. You know, we learned from Holden's parents that the more parents have like one kid, the more like land that they can have on earth and stuff. So there's like reasons to not, reasons to cut down uh, overpopulation problems. Um and I thought it was a cool, unique way of just like being like, look, as we grow into other societies, we all become different. We're, we're so we're so same and we're so diverse simultaneously, which yeah, is really right. cool. I mean, uh, and as we can all get along if we are compassionate and love each other. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's a it's a very good example of how as societies change um, different standards of not only like morality, but just like love and and how we connect with each other and stuff. It, it's always um, changing and, and progressing and things like that. Totally. And, um, I mean, like, uh, I think in the context of uh, our current society, I think that it's very obvious that polyamory and polygamy are not uh, the norm, right? It's like not even certainly it's like a thing that like most the vast, vast majority of people don't do. Um, but it definitely stands to reason that as we would kind of advance in a lot of different ways, I'm not saying polyamory or poly polygamy is more advanced or anything, but we would shift into a lot of those different things becoming right. the norm, you know? Yeah, right. I thought as it was a really good helps call. Us overcome dogma, we would start trying at least whether or not those things tend to be good for us or bad for us but we would start i think uh, tending towards trying different ways of living especially once we were on different planets and away from um previously defined structures and ways of life you know it's like when you move to a new planet you're like we're starting again you know yeah i mean it's interesting that holden does actually have eight parents yeah, you know, I mean, it's not like he was raised by eight people. No, it's they all. It's their combined their DNA. DNA, and they, you know, one person. Um, I can't remember his 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 birth mother's right. His like incubating um, mother. Right. Yeah, I think that's a way to. Put it. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just for birds. Birth, I'm not sure. I, I, I think birth mother works, but um, yeah. So he's got that, yeah, that's it, like more he couldn't like share wombs with different people, obviously. But uh, at this. 
it's it's really cool world building to have something that's it's so extreme right i mean it's i don't mean extreme in the sense that it's like like an, there's no negative connotation there or anything. I just mean it deviates so much from the norm, and to have it de- something that deviates that much from the norm, that is not really the focus of any of these characters' lives as much, right. or at or least the, the story, like the people in the relationship are the focus, but not the nature of the relationship. Yes. You know, and so having it be this kind of like backseat thing that everybody just doesn't really think that much about is a very good way of showing instead of telling how different these societies are it's, it's masterful it's really really good and it's interesting it is really masterful and interesting and a good way of saying like yes while we're still bicker bickering about the same old things and killing each other over the same old things there are areas in which our society has truly matured science fiction does such a phenomenal thing when um when it showcases these kinds of things when it showcases just different ways of living uh, even in the show, which I've been watching, I mean, uh, there's like these giant windmills all over the place in Montana, and they're really cool looking, and they're really they're way different than any windmills that we would have, you know. But we do have windmills, but it's interesting to see like we're so far in the future and still like utilizing some of this technology, and they kind of like stuck around for a little while, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Like that stuck around, yeah. but they like changed it up a little bit. Like, what's up with that, you know? So Amos and Alex uh, took a little bit of a backseat in this book which i was bummed out about because i really they got it they got their own chapters i think one each um yeah maybe alex Amos I think had alex his, like moments in space in the mech suit and stuff but like eh. um what did you think about amos confronting holden about not firing on the Pellas because philip was on the ship that's uh i mean if your girlfriend's son <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's like do i uh, that's that's a rough one that is a rough rough call to make and I think Amos was being a little hard on him, honestly. I don't know. I mean, I think Amos, uh, Amos did a, I think Amos handled it pretty well. Cause basically what he said was, Hey, you, you did that. Right. And then Holden was honest with him and said, yeah, that's basically what happened. And then Amos said pretty much, okay, well that's fine, I guess, but this is for real this time. So if you, if you need me to, I'm going to revoke your control of whether or not you can do that again. And Holden's like, I'll be fine. And Amos has enough trust in Holden, but that's one of the really cool things about Amos is that he's so blunt and he's so honest all the time. And so when he tells Holden, I'm going to like take away the control for you to be able to do that. And Mm -hmm. he's very clear with his intentions and he's very clear with confronting him. And then Holden says he's fine. There's a lot of trust there. And Amos says, all right, cool. Well, then I won't, you know, right. It's just a nice little scene there. Yep. And Amos giving him a little check of like, make sure that once again, you are not deciding that you are the personal like judge during execution or yet simultaneously hating on anyone else who decides to play that role. Enter (laughs) Detective Miller. And Amos sometimes. Yeah. And Amos. Yeah, for real. I know it's funny. Um, the Holden. I feel like there's multiple conversations where Naomi's like, Holden, okay, the Clarissa's part of the crew, so just yeah. just chill on it, okay. And then Holden's like, but she crew. killed people, and there's like a couple parts where Naomi's just like, dude, like Amos kills people all the time, and Holden right. just says, yeah, well, that's Amos. Come on, Holden, you're yeah. smarter than what? that. Are you you're kidding me? Though? Are you gonna that? boys will be boys this conversation <laughs> right now, bro? No. Also, like. Amos is not the only one who has killed people aboard this ship. I'm pretty sure everyone here has taken out a lot of people. Like they were in like a like a 200 page firefight in one book. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it's silly. Um, I'm glad that that got all cleared up. Holden sees Clarissa as a part of the crew. It's yeah, yeah, it's fine. Bobby's part of the crew. You know, yep. It was nice adding... to see that arc kind of complete. It's interesting too because they were talking about in the beginning of Nemesis games. They were like, "We need to start adding some people to this crew because I mean, four of yeah. us is fine, but this is we're all stressed pretty thin here. We have no and night then, shift." Then it took until the end of book six for us to have two more people on the crew that are considered family. You know, I really thought that right. Alex and Bobby were going to hook up. I'm sad. Same. I'm sad. I'm glad Alex got with somebody that's nice. Good for yeah, you, Alex. Good for Alex. Oh, uh, man. But Bob, Bobby and Alex, come on. Yeah. Come on. Even sounds good. Alex They're and right Bobby. There. They're right B. there. They're right there. buddies. But Convenient. I mean, we love them. That's the thing, too, that I really like in books sometimes, though, is like the obvious kind of like they should get together when it doesn't happen. It's kind of cool sometimes to just have platonic friendships and in, in and out of books. 
it just hurts when I'm reading and I'm like, come I on, know, I know. <laughs> come on, just well, do we'll it. See it happen. Yeah. And you know, they, they kind of tend to stack that in this book. You know, there was so many, like, if it was just like one thing, like, okay, Fred Johnson's death was a major disappointment, but we had like Fred Johnson's death. We had like this crazy, crazy battle and it culminates in poof, poof, poof. poof. everything is stardust now, I guess. Yeah. And then like, I don't know, there were just so many things that I feel like they were being set up to be epic and awesome. And they were just like, poof, 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 nope, dead stroke and yeah. poof and gone. And this person's not going to get with that person. Nope. I felt I was denied a little. Maybe. Yeah. And I, I hope guess, it's not intentional. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that uh, like James S. A. Corey is the closest one to this story. And they felt that these choices made narrative sense. Um, at this point in this series, I trust a lot of the calls that they make. Same. Um, not in, I don't, not all of them. It's funny though, because <laughs> I don't, I don't trust a lot of the calls that the characters make. There's a, a, but I trust them making the call to make the character make that call. You totally. know what I mean? yeah, <laughs> It's yeah, kind yeah. of funny. Yeah. Uh, but I think books seven, eight, and nine, um, I'm pretty confident we're going to get a really good end to this series. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like a thumb to be kind of clamped down on the point of it all. Like, I mean, it seems to me that this series is is very much to do with um, like the consequences of war and the consequences of uh, hate, yeah, hate, um, revenge. Like uh, there's, there's there's a lot of points in these books where there are misunderstandings, you know, um, yeah. and resentments Holden. that. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, Holden is a big misunderstanding but hello universe i got it, another one for you <laughs> it seems like a uh the, the point of all this is you know like united we stand to divide right. we fall kind of thing i mean yeah. as we're only gonna we're only going to progress and expand as far and as long as we can stick together and and weather certain storms together and right. be be Understand honest with ourselves and each other yeah exactly and look at this like whole free navy debacle like like kind of like what i was talking about before where you know these these factions had been so divided up that they couldn't even see like one of the, the more kind of like obvious answers which would be okay well if this is a problem for the belters because um they're not going to be relied on as much for the things that they had previously been doing like why don't we shift the landscape for them so that we can keep them incorporated into this new system um, right. which you can really talk about with like all kinds of different things i mean especially like in, in the world we live in today we're having all kinds of different technological advancements that are changing the landscape of how our society functions right and if we if we ignore the plight of people that uh will not benefit from those kinds of things then that's going to create a lot of resentment and create a lot of problems you know i mean like you, you can't just like send everybody off to different planets all of a sudden you know i mean can you imagine the i don't even know what the proper word is i guess jealousy the envy that you would feel to see how excited someone would be who all of a sudden we've got a hundred new planets that we can go on you have a body however that cannot be on a planet it's like the whole this whole new world and you can't swim it's just like man that's got to be so disappointing. Like the whole rest of the, everyone's like exploring and adventure and everyone's Magellan all of a sudden, except for you and your friends, you're just like stuck on this rock because you're physiologically limited. And this is pure speculation on my part, but maybe if earth and Mars and the outer planets had some kind of coalition where they all worked together and were all communicated with each other all the time on everything, this problem could have been solved without the free Navy popping up. You know, absolutely i think that that might be one absolutely. of the yeah that might be one of the um and you know obviously i haven't read the next few books i don't know i'm not taking it as as bird's eye of a view on this whole conflict as i could and i'll have a much clearer view on that after i read these books but you know i think that's one of the main points of this series is as we expand out as we develop technologically and socially we need to make sure to communicate with each other. We need to make sure to say communication, yeah, communication and also like respect for each other's differences. You know, mm -hmm. like there's, there's all kinds of things that uh, we would need to do and still need to do today to be, keep progressing. Uh, yeah. That's, it's a, it's a fucking brilliant series. Like this is yeah, really, really, really good. And, you know, I do need, I like in my, my, books don't have to have a point, you know, but like, and, and I agree with you in that the points are, but I'm, I'm, I'm meaning more like I need like a 
like a Dark Lord to defeat. <laughs> <laughs> give yeah, me a Dark Lord. I mean, give me a give me a ring. I think we'll. I don't. I don't think you'll be disappointed. I, I don't think I don't you'll think be so disappointed. Either. I think we'll be fine. Yeah. I think in book yeah. seven, hopefully. Uh, I don't know how long the time skip is, but hopefully, book seven we start to see a little bit more of Duarte. We start to see a little bit more of this proto molecule stuff that's going on, and we understand yeah. what the actual really big threat is. Now that we have kind of come together a little bit you know that's what this sixth book was the sixth book was about uh defeating a common enemy um who had uh, initially pretty good intentions but was ultimately uh not great for humanity as a whole right and coming and together I... and and continuing on to deal with stuff while it is hopeful i think there's also an element of sadness there and that it did take the destruction of billions of people for us to finally unite and look at a common enemy it took it's sad that it took a common enemy that we had to be united against something we had to be united in our efforts to destroy something in order to not destroy each other um which kind of begs the question do we always have to destroy something you know like what are we just is that in our nature or um you know can we truly be peaceful I mean, I think we have, I think we as humans have uh, an innate ability to be distracted by shit. <laughs> like we're, yes. it's one thing that like, it is one of our biggest failings is that we have, we, we don't seem to be able to focus as a, as a large group on something, you know, it's really, really yes. difficult to we're do. very individualistic. It's, it's pretty easy when, when you've got like 10, 15 people like living on a farm together, you know, right. but like, like hundreds of millions or billions of people trying to figure something out is a lot more difficult and a lot more complicated. Right. And, and a reshuffling of the hierarchy of differences, right? Because like before it was like an accent, you know, someone's belter speak could be enough for them to be like treating someone like dogs. But yeah. All of a sudden, an event happens that all of humanity is threatened, and it's like, oh yeah. no, those differences just melt. They mean nothing now. You know, like if aliens were to attack Earth right now, China and America would be working together so fast. Well, because see, that's the thing, and I think that's why um, the idea of unifying against a threat is because the threat outweighs um, any. Right, um, it's a rearranging of the like, hierarchy. Right, exactly. So it's like uh, when you don't have that threat there, uh, everybody's still into their own best interest. But when everybody has a common best interest in uh, eviscerating that threat, then it works out because everybody works together. But when that threat is not there, everybody's like trying to get theirs, you know? And so, right. I, yeah, yeah. And this is the first time in this story that we are in a position that we can move forward and have the thing that unifies us be building exploring expanding growing and not destroying um fracturing and um uh taking out other things that we don't understand it's like it's a we're we're positioned properly and i wonder what they're going to do in the story as to what road we take well that's why i don't think you're going to be disappointed i think yeah i don't think so like the 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 big bad is only going to be proportionate to how much we've all come together you know? Yeah. Ooh, well said. Yeah. Damn. We should end Damn. there. That was perfect. <laughs> Let's end there. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode. Uh, Babylon's Ashes, not the most exciting book I've ever read, but yeah, there's some good stuff in here. It's, a, it's good an awesome stuff. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good expanse book. Come on. I liked it more. I still like it more. I, I liked it more than Cibola Burn. Still. Same. Yeah, <laughs> Personally, same, same. even though yeah. the ending of Cibola Burn was awesome, uh, yeah. I still liked it more. But anyway. I mean, you know, I complained a lot about the some of the elements in this book, but it was. There was parts of it that was very good too. Oh yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm excited to get into book seven, eight, and nine with you, and then we'll wrap up the expanse. Uh, everybody, again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Tune in, I think, hopefully next week for book seven, Persepolis Rising, and uh, yeah, look out. We got for other all series other to get episodes. to, baby. We gotta, we, we gotta got get them. Lots get them done. of stuff. We gotta get a move on. Uh, we're doing Faithful in the Fallen. We're doing Scythe. We're doing Ooh, Red Rising. So excited. Oh, some really cool stuff. Throne of Glass, Malazan Book of the Fallen. Ooh. Yep, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Everybody, hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.